Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Our topic today is a question, and I'm asking, what is the righteous judge, that would be Jesus, to do about a church splitting in sin and the government refuses to stop any evil? In other words, if America continues to go downhill, where is it going? That's a question that most people in America don't want to face. They don't want to answer it. I think they haven't even taken a second to think, what is the answer? Okay, so if America continues its slide morally, financially, government corruption-wise, if it continues to go down the hill, what's at the bottom of the hill? Well, most people would say, well, the destruction of our nation. Well, what's that? They haven't answered that. They don't know. And even if they get to the religious side of it, and they won't, but if they did, then they would say, well, I guess Jesus would be mad at us. No, no, no. It's much worse than that. Because Jesus is the righteous judge. He's the righteous judge at the Bema Seat on the Feast of Trumpets. And then 10 days later, he's the righteous judge at the Great White Throne. He is the righteous judge. I think it's Matthew 5, 28 or something like that, says that the Father judges no man, but has given all judgment unto the Son. Jesus is the judge. Remember the scripture in Revelation where it says, Worthy is the Lamb to take the book and to open the seals thereof? Here it is. Because he was slain and has redeemed him to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and has made us under God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. So Jesus and his sacrificed blood, being a perfect man, living a perfect life, perfect without sin, in that he died, one that was perfect without sin, he is the only one that can do two things. Forgive sins and also bring judgment to those people, which is everybody, that has sins. So because Jesus lived a sinless life, he can then turn around and point the finger and say, that was a sin, because he didn't do it. Now, this, <laughs> this topic today is, is it's going to rattle the core of a lot of people, and frankly, it should. LifeSite says over 5,000 congregations break away from the United Methodist Church over pro-LGBT stance. The article says, Resistance to the LGBT agenda now spans legislatures, schools, churches, I'm going to say families, and just about everything else. It is ripping, and it's not the only thing ripping, but it is ripping our nation spiritually, morally, financially to pieces. The LGBT agenda now spans legislatures, schools, churches across the country and the world bringing division among Catholic and Angelican, Angelican bishops, and now among Methodist pastors as well. Who could have thought, just because someone can't figure out what is between their legs, it's going to rip the church? Well, when the church doesn't read the Bible, and there's 400 different versions of the Bible, there's basically a version for whatever you want to believe, okay? When they don't read it, the King James Version, they don't know it. They don't follow it. Well, it's easy for the devil to get in to kill, steal, and destroy. Let's go on. More than 5,000 congregations have left 
the United Methodist Church, the second largest Protestant denomination in the United States over its pro-LGBT stance. This disaffiliation movement saw churches leaving in droves over the past several weeks, with UM News, the official news service of the UMC, reporting the disaffiliation of, now listen to this, 5,458 churches. Those aren't all small churches. Matter of fact, a lot of the Methodist churches, these aren't talking about 25 to 50 people. These are talking about 250 to 500 to 1,000, 1,500 to 2,000 people. So 5,458 churches leaving? You see, we would like to think that the evildoers would stop sending repent and turn to Jesus. But as you look through history, that almost never happens. Take, for example, England. When England started falling away from the real truth, did they get the people of the Church of England to repent and turn back to Jesus? No, they didn't. So what happened? They left the Church of England. Then they left England. Then they left most of Europe, and they came to the new land, America. And God formed a new nation. It almost never happens that people that are in sin see their sin, stop sinning, repent, turn to Jesus. That almost never happens until Jesus gets involved with judgment, hits them hard enough, and then only a few will return to Jesus then. Now, let's go on. The official news service of the UMC reporting that the disaffiliation of 5,458 churches just this year, and 25,500 Methodist churches remaining. What's that saying? That's saying 5,000 out of 30,000. So what's that? One-fifth thereabouts? One-fifth of the churches, uh, and I've got a, a number of the actual people. This is an estimate. There's two different people have two different opinions on it. But the point is, the point is, a whole lot of Christians allowed the devil to come in. Allowed the devil to come in by changing the worship. Allowed the devil to come in by changing the Bible. Uh, it's, it's the little bitty subtle changes, subtle changes. You know, you put the frog in water and you slowly warm it up and you cook the frog. But if you put the frog in hot water, he immediately jumps out. Well, that's what the devil does. He, he doesn't come to the front door. He comes to the side window or the back door, and he comes in subtly. Very small changes. But those small changes over the process of some 80 years has corrupted not just this church. Truth be known, it's not just the Methodist church. It's the Catholic church, and probably truth be known, many of the other churches, and a lot of them are not even major churches. I mean, like, you know, Leslie and I pray often, constantly, to get more people to come to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. A lot of people do not. We have eh, 30, 40 people Sunday morning. We have a lot of people email me and say, can you tell me where I can go to a real church in my area? No, I can't. Most of them are corrupt. Let's go on. The article goes on to say, the mass exodus of Methodist churches comes over liberal leaders. Or Okay, now, now see, that's another thing. Why are you calling them liberal? They're not liberal. They're sinners. Okay, when you don't follow Jesus, the correct label is you are a sinner. 
you are in sin. Okay, so they need to call a spade a spade. It's sinful leaders in the UMC disregarded a 2019 vote upholding the church's ban on ordaining LGBT clergy and officiating at their hosting same-sex weddings. What's that saying? It's saying that in the bylaws of the starting of the Methodist church that they would not recognize such things. But so many people jumped into sin so often that now they've got sin all over them and they can't see that sin is bad. So they say, well, we're we're just going to ignore your vote saying that LGBT is wrong. We're going to ignore it. We're going to do what we want to do. That's what the devil does. The 2019 vote was disregarded by many sinful, I'm going to put sinful there, sinful leaders within the UMC who decided to remain in the denomination while commissioning openly gay clergy and officiating same-sex weddings anyway. Jesus, we don't care what you say. We don't care what you teach. We're going to do it our way. We're going to have our church our way. And that's straight out of a Coverstone dream. Let's go on. In 2019, the Methodist General Conference also approved a church law allowing UMC churches to leave with their church property if two-thirds of the congregation and regional governor body approved, paving the way for the current mass exodus over the open acceptance of the LGBT agenda. Okay. So they didn't want to have to give up their buildings and their property to leave UMC. So UMC says, okay, if two-thirds vote to say, well, we want to leave, we want to take our property, then you can take your property. (laughs) Well, why? Because all the property apparently belongs to the UMC. I'm, I'm not in that, so I don't know all the details, but apparently that's what they're saying. Numerous states have now banned to varying degrees, the mutilation and chemical castration of children through so-called transitional surgeries and puberty blockers. Okay, you know, part of the problem is the devil comes in very subtly, and he changes words from sinful to make them liberal. Okay, we're not Democrat or Democrats. They should be calling them sinners. The Angelican, Angelican bishops of several African countries, broke communion with the Anglican Church of England over its approval of the blessing of same-sex unions, even celebrating so-called pride masses in the name of a heretical inclusion of those who do not accept Catholic teaching on sexual immorality. Catholic bishops of the U.S. have firmly condemned transgender ideology and the mutilation of children being aggressively pushed by the LGBT movement. America and the world are waking up to the woke culture. Now, who came up with woke culture? Those words? Well, the devil did. And he's always changing words to make them sound better. So America was supposed to be, and God originally started by pulling Christians, real Christians, from various nations, mostly over in Europe, from around the world, to become the city on the hill, the light to the world. We were started, according to the angel that spoke to Demetri Dudeman, to be a Christian nation. But instead of remaining Christian, we started going after other false gods, other people 
within the nation. Now, when we first arrived, we noticed that there were Indians, and they were pagans. They were worshiping, you know, Mother Earth and all sorts of gods and false gods and demons and stuff like that. We were able to switch a few of them, but the point is, in those days, Christians didn't go after their gods. But today, Christians go after other gods. Either they aren't a Christian or a they are a spiritual believer at all, they're an atheist, or they go after all of the other false gods. Can I tell you how many times I have seen people, their parents were Christians, their parents were Christians, their grandparents before them were Christians, but their children, no, they're prodigals. They're off in the world. They went off to the godless college and they fell away. Jesus is really, really, really angry about that. Let's go on. The fallout within the Methodist Church is but the latest brick to fall from the collapsing dam and is perhaps a truly hopeful sign in the skies of the momentum to reclaim our culture and families while we still can. We can't. We have already crossed the line in the sand. Judgment has already been set. America is going to fall. But of course, no one wants to believe that. I am going to go back to a dream two years ago given to Pastor Dana Coverstone. As I've said, I believe these dreams are warnings. They're warnings of things that are heading our way, that are coming. But if we pray, and especially if we pray and stop sinning, repent and turn to Jesus, that can be turned away. I'm going to show you where he said this is coming. And also to let you know, it's about to get a lot worse. Remember, judgment begins at the house of God. So the trouble coming to America will start, has started, with the house of God. June 27th, almost exactly, three years ago actually. In this dream I was standing over a field looking down on a valley where thousands of dark gray menacing wolves were all sleeping. In other words, the evil in our nation back in 2020 was sleeping. They were nuzzling each other, just laying around with no movement at all. Suddenly, a very dark figure, that would be Lucifer, began running into the middle of the wolves, whipping the wolves. The wolves began to wake up. They were shrieking and making horrible noises as they were being woken up due to the being hurt. Now, remember, the angel that spoke to Dimitri said the fall of America will start with an internal revolution in America started by the communists. Now, here's the point. Some of the people would start fighting against the government. This is some of the people start fighting against the government, specifically, in this case, This dream is about Christians fighting against Christians. Christians within the church are fighting against the church. The person kept whipping them and stirring them into a frenzy. He was not just beating them. He was instilling fear in them. Every single wolf had been hit by the man. They showed fear and respect to him. He was like their master, and he kept whipping the wolves. The wolves finally cowed down. He stooped down and pointed his finger and got, went and turned in a circle and said, go to the cities. Those wolves took off in every direction, howling, howling, and howling at the top of their lungs. The dark figure was sending the wolves to the cities, sending the wolves to the churches, you might say. After being whipped and beaten, the scene changed. I was standing in front of hundreds of TV sets or computer screens. What was really going on is God was showing him hundreds of different scenes in America. 
I saw men and women of God who were pastors, blacks, whites, Asians, Indians, all around the globe. I saw myself when we were all preaching the gospel, in other words, the true gospel, the gospel and sweating with fervency and impact of our preaching. We were teaching biblical principles and dealing with major issues in the culture. We were calling people to righteousness, holiness, and to give up ungodly things that were part of their lives. I saw people in chairs in the back of the church looking at their watches and yawning. Some had their heads on the back of the chairs and pews asleep. Others were just uncomfortable. Now, that's the ones that go to church. But in America, I guess you have noticed, most Americans these days don't go to church. I heard it said that if everyone in America decided to go to church this coming Sunday morning, only 5% of the population could physically fit inside the buildings. Only 5%. Now, (laughs) out of the ones that claim Jesus, how many of them really are Christians? And the answer is probably very few. They didn't want to be there. Some people were walking out. I saw a handful, a core group at the front of every church, emphatically listening, supporting their pastors, supporting the doctrine, the teaching, and the ideas that were coming from these men and women of God. The people at the front were kneeling in prayer. They knew some people were not paying attention and were praying for those in the chairs behind them. There was a gap between those really listening and paying attention and those who were not. Suddenly the howling of the wolves were heard outside. You heard scratching at the door as they were trying to get in. The people up front began to pray against the enemy intensively and aggressively, against the spirit that was at the door. Suddenly... The wolves began to come in and began to walk around and sniff the people at the back who were not listening. They did not even realize that the wolves were in the church. Right now, there are a lot of wolves in the churches, but since the, the, since the wheat is asleep, they don't recognize the tares. Since the church is asleep, they don't know the Bible, they don't have a prayer closet, They aren't sacrificing. They aren't fasting each week. They look like the wolves, sound like the wolves, and so the wolves are about to devour them. They didn't even realize the wolves were there. The wolves began to sit in the pews beside the sleepy people not listening. Even by those who did not really understand, there was no fear, no worry, no concern. Why? Well, one of the reasons is, we don't have to worry about this stuff. We're going in a pre-trib rapture. Sin cannot be part of their lives. The louder or more intensely I preached and dealt with issues of sin, the more the wolves sent into our church began to stir. The people who were not listening began saying, Ah, shut up. Stop saying that. I don't want to hear that anymore. They were aggressively saying, Stop saying those things. I kept preaching and preaching, and the wolves were wrestling and nudging the people and getting them worked up. They stirred up the people, and the wolves started coming after me. What this is saying is, in the near future, perhaps it's even already started, you're going to see people in the church rise up from within the church against the church, especially when the trouble hits and there was no pre-trib rapture. Oh, you think the, the rapture comforted people before it was the problem. But you mark my word, day's going to come, trouble hits, 
And those pre-tribbers are going to get angry like you can't believe. They're going to get spitting and blood mad. We probably will see pastors not just beaten. We may see them hung upside down from a cross in front of the church. It's going to get bad. On the screens, I saw wolves coming up near other pastors and preachers and other men and women of God who are trying to say, don't do this. Stop doing this. This is the way you know Jesus said to go. The way is narrow. And the gate is very small to get in. We were preaching that kind of a message. As we were preaching, those wolves started nipping at my leg and bit others. And I saw on the screen that they started growling and keeping in their face. They kept biting and biting and they kept attacking and attacking. And the louder we got, the louder the wolves got. The people at the altar were praying for safety and protection. The wolves were stirring up the people who were not listening and getting them to attack the preachers. In other words, it's the tares that sit among the wheat that are going to rise up like weeds and they're going to start attacking not just the tares but also church leadership who were not listening, getting them to attack the preachers, were not trying to preach the message that God gave. The intensity of the moment was profound. I was preaching and trying to kick off a wolf here and there. People were getting up. They were leaving and slamming the doors behind them, making a big scene saying, we're not coming back here. You won't shut up. So we're done hearing this. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And they left. It's better, by the way, that they leave than to stay. You wouldn't think that a soul winner would think that. But there's a, a point in a person's life where God gives them a reprobate mind. The Bible says it turns them over to a reprobate mind. And at that point, their chance of really getting saved is pretty much over. I always want to believe that there's some way, some crack, but it gets pretty difficult. Suddenly, the scene changed. I saw courtrooms and judges with gavels pounding the bench. I saw pastors in change, pastors in change. Now, look, if, you, if your friends don't know you're a Christian, you need to repent. If they don't know that you're dedicated to the Lord Jesus, then you need to clean up your life. Pastors in change should not be just the only ones. It ought to be all of the Christians. It ought to be that you can't tell the difference between a pastor and a real believer. By the way, there shouldn't be a difference. I saw pastors in change. I was shackled myself. I saw people in the jury seats. And the witness stand, and they were crying. And the judges were saying, you can no longer preach this kind of a message. You can no longer declare this type of lifestyle is sin. You cannot say anything bad about this kind of lifestyle. You cannot say anything bad about this situation. You cannot address these things from the pulpit ever again. You cannot say this. You cannot say that. You cannot say Jesus is the only way. You cannot say abortion is a sin. You cannot deal with alternative lifestyles. You call them awful, terrible things. You cannot say these things violate Scripture. You can no longer preach from Scripture. Are you hearing this? Most of us pastors were saying, we can't do that. We cannot do that. The gavel came down in anger. The judges were mad. I saw churches surrounded by mobs of people yelling, shut it down, burn it down. I saw people so hateful towards this church. I saw people harassing believers who were going into church services. 
I saw people with hateful attitudes waiting outside churches to harass people coming in and going out from the church. Now, look it. You think it's hard to build a church right now? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Somebody said, well, why don't you have your, your service on a Saturday? I said, well, we do have a Friday night Sabbath Bible study, so we do worship the God, or God on the Sabbath. But to answer your question, it's hard enough to start a church in America and keep it going on a Sunday morning in which most people that are Christians are used to going to church on a Sunday morning. If we moved it to a Saturday, it would be almost impossible to keep the church going. Matter of fact, like in England, a lot of the churches, the old churches, the mighty churches, the big churches of stone that used to have mighty, wealthy, and strong, and and rich, and well-versed Christians in it that built those giant churches. A lot of those churches are now becoming mosques. And it's starting to happen in America, too. Other false gods are worshipped in Britain more so than the real God. And it's already getting well-established here in America. I drive around, I see mosques. I see other buildings of other false gods in America. Brothers and sisters, it should not be. I saw people with hateful attitudes waiting outside to harass people coming in and going out from church. Well, wait until it goes to the next level where they're out there threatening to beat people and they actually shut down the church. Oh, that wouldn't happen in America. Oh, yes. Yes, it will. But the thing that stood out the most were the people who had been sitting in the church pews asleep or not listening, became the biggest persecutors of the church. The biggest persecution will come from the tares who sat in our churches, pews, but never really accepted the word of God as the word of God. They were raised in church all their lives, but they walked away because they did not like the preaching of the true word of God, the preaching which says this is sin. Sin is wrong. You cannot walk in this and still be a believer. You can't live with someone and come to church. You can't call yourself a Christian and go out drinking and carousing, smoking dope and all of those sort of things. Okay, You can't do that. You can't live with the devil and call yourself a Christian. You cannot walk in this and still be a believer. It was the sons and daughters and grandchildren of Christians. Some of them mighty Christians, but the children had become prodigals. They had been raised in church all of their lives, but became persecutors, saying, we have had it. There's nothing in this for me. This gospel has no power. It has no authority. It says, I, can, I cannot live like this. I can't do this. I can't sin. I can't sleep around. I can't steal. I can't smoke dope. I can't do all this other sort of thing. I don't like that. I want to live my life the way I want to live it. Those were the people who were screaming and throwing rocks. They had baseball bats and guns in their hands. They were throwing threats at those of us who were coming out of the church. The anger was led once again by those who had fallen away. Those were the people who were pushing back against everything that they had been taught. Those that had gone away to college and became very liberal. I'm going to call it sin. All they think and all they do is the same. Those who had given in to some of the ideas of the protest movements that we see today, the ideologies that say that one race is better than others. 
I remember when Prophecy Club first started in June of 1993. So, I mean, this month makes uh, 30 years for us. I remember the guy that got us started in radio that invited me to start a, a, a radio program of Bible prophecy. He said, just want to let you know that your big problem is not going to be the government. Your big problem is not going to be the sinners. The people that are not going to like what you say and do are going to be other Christians. Now, some 30 years later, it's exactly true. That's what's coming against Prophecy Club. Sinners, government, they could care less. It's the Christians. They're the ones that attack us. When I get an email, stand out on like this, it's always a Christian. Never, it's never a sinner. It's always a Christian. The pastors who were preaching were every race and color. I saw black, white, Native American, Indian, African, Russian, Chinese. I saw the people who were preaching the gospel. The biggest persecution came from those who walked away from the church. I saw pulpits being chopped with axes. Count on it. Watch for churches getting burned. Oh, at first it may be just an unknown arsonist, but I believe the day will arrive when they will, the sinners, the terrors, will gather around the church and light it on fire. And no police, no fire department comes. I saw pulpits being chopped with axes. I saw big, old, wooden pulpits being chopped to pieces. I saw plexiglass pulpits being hammered to pieces. I saw Christians in chains. I saw them being publicly ridiculed and publicly assaulted because their ideas were old-fashioned and needed to go. Then I heard a cry that I heard for six months, but there was something added to it. I heard, brace yourself and endure it to the end. Just like that, I woke up. I woke up with my heart racing. Revelation 18 says, In her was found the blood of prophets and of saints, and there were all that were slain upon the earth. You remember the fifth seal? I saw unto the altar the souls of those who were slain for the word of God, that had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark on his forehead and his hand. What does it say? I saw unto the altar the souls of those beheaded for the witness of Jesus. And they cried with a loud cry, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on those that dwell upon the earth? White robes are given to every one of them. Why? Because that's when they go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. About four months before the end when Jesus returns. White robes are given to every one of them. It said to them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants, fellow brethren, their servants, should be should be, uh, and they should rest for yet for a little season until our fellow servants and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Meaning, there's coming a lot of Christians to be killed in this nation. Probably by the time we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, there won't be hardly any Christians left. That's the reason it says, oh, let's see, how does, how does it, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord henceforth, yes, saith the Spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Meaning, some Christians don't get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, but their works still follow them. That's saying to me that by the time Jesus returns, most Christians are already dead. Ask Jesus to forgive your sin. 
to come into your heart, to be your God, and you better start reading that King James Bible. You better start memorizing key verses so that you will be able to stand. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you might be accounted worthy to escape these things and to stand before the Son of Man. It's not talking about escape the rapture or the, rapture or the, the tribulation. It's talking about escape the burning of the morning star upon the Feast of Trumpets when Jesus returns. That you might be able to escape the burning, escape the destruction by Jesus of all the sinners. Get yourself ready, my brothers and sisters. It took me about 20 minutes to make these two loaves in my kitchen at an ingredient cost of about $12 each. In a time of food shortage and emergency, I'm going to cut each one of these loaves into 14 slices. Eat a slice in the morning and the afternoon, I'll be satisfied. You want long-term food storage? You want to cut your food costs? Here it is. Eat two whole wheat bread slices daily for about a year for about $800 each. JosephKitchen.com's wheat berries come in a nitrogen-infused 7-gallon pail for long-term storage. Most other emergency food costs about $10,000 per person per year. That's right, about $10,000 per person per year. But at Joseph Kitchen, you could do it for about $1,000 per person per year. Now, to get started at josephkitchen.com, you're going to need a machines package. That's going to give you the grinder, the bread machine, the knife slicer, all you need to make bread. And then you decide how much food you want to get. You want food six people one year, four people one year, two people one year, or just one person for a year, all at josephkitchen.com. About $1,000 per person per year at josephskitchen.com. Use the promo code PROPHECYCLUB. Get you a $50 discount. josephskitchen.com, promo code PROPHECYCLUB for a $50 discount on your first order. Terry Saka with CornerstoneAssetMetals.com. So what's going on in the world of finances? Why should they call today? Well, China has laid out in a speech a few weeks ago exactly what they think of the United States. I haven't seen that in my 55 years. With China and Russia forming these reserve currencies, new reserve currency, we better be prepared because that dollar is going to be in deep trouble and we're going to need assets to protect us from it. CornerstoneAssetMetals.com. Call them or go online, cornerstoneassetmetals.com, or call them at 888-747-3309, 888-747-3309. Now, this is the offer that I suggest you get. Each one of these five DVDs, two and a half hours each about, used to be offered for $30. Right now, you can get all, uh, all five of them at prophecyclub.com, the DVDs, for a gift of hundred dollars, but the better deal would be for you to go to prophecy or to watch Prophecy Club right here. WatchProphecyClub.com. If you'll enter the promo code TPC twenty twenty three, you'll get the first month free. Means you can watch all five of these for free. What a deal, huh? And a better deal. Go to the TPC twenty twenty three with a Y at the end. You get a $20 off on the normal $200 annual plan. That's the best deal. This is like six or $7,000 worth of DVDs. Took us 25 years to make them all at watchprophecyclub.com. Did you get that? Watch instantly at watchprophecyclub.com. 